What's up, guys? I am Caleb Giddings. I'm Keith Finch. And I'm Jack. Ooh, I like a little little bit of the, you're listening to Smooth 99.5, all jazz, all the time. It's, it's late night with Delilah. Ooh, <laughs> there's, a, there's a deep cut for you guys. And then also, we have sponsors. I just did it myself. I just did it myself this week. So uh, after last week's absolute train wreck of an episode, which definitely wasn't recorded ten minutes ago, um, what we are going to talk about this week is something that hopefully we'll be able to stay slightly closer to on topic with, and it's guns that flopped. Now, when we say guns that, we're kind of go, we're going to go around the clock and you know talk about which gun flopped harder and stuff like that. But when we talk about guns that flopped, it doesn't necessarily mean that the gun wasn't a commercial success it might have been a commercial success that was just a bad gun there's some of those out there but generally speaking it's a gun that was introduced and that the market's universal reaction to was but why though you know or it came out and it had tragic catastrophic uh malfunctions that were exposed by a uh, less than fully honest youtuber <clears throat> remington r51 <laughs> so you know things like that so with that in mind uh keith why don't you go first give me a, what, what's what's the first gun you think of when you think of guns that flopped hard ah one of the one of the classics harkens back to good old 2007 and we're gonna kick this off with the magpul masada rifle oh that's just R. hurtful listen one out for the homies that ah. That was a sad, sad tale. And one of our good friends, uh, Nick, was on on uh, the team that was helping design that and trying to push it properly to market uh, when it was in Magpul's hands before it got pushed off and uh, handed, not pushed off, but it was handed to Bushmaster because Bushmaster was the company uh, that decided to pick it up and, and make it a firearm. And so we, after the agreement with Magpul, we got the Bushmaster ACR. And uh, it turned, I didn't know this at the time, and I've, I've penned a few on the ACR and the sadness that it brings into our lives for what it could have been versus what it was. Uh, but apparently the Bushmaster ACR got shown to Magpul first, which makes perfect sense. And the universal reaction to that was, we know. <laughs> this isn't this isn't what we wanted this is this is literally nothing of what we said remember <laughs> remember when the mag was talking about it back when ar15.com was relevant um and <laughs> be careful jack they're gonna come for you the redditors won't find me uh, <laughs> i'm not on their forums they have no power here you have no power here i'm in the real world <laughs> where actions have consequences that energy um, so the uh okay so jack you were saying back okay, when so back on back back in that era remember the, they were like fifteen hundred dollars and i was like yeah that was wow, the ice price i could afford that i could i could buy this gun and then when it came out they were like three thousand and i'm just like these are not the same number not same why not same and bushmaster's like quality 
I'm like, mm, sus. Master quality? <laughs> got, got that sussy out. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. Uh, so they, uh, they went to the they went to the Cory Booker School of Thought and they were like, you know what would be better than fifteen hundred dollars? Double fifteen hundred dollars. <laughs> so to I have with our background checks. <laughs> I have only one experience with the AC scar. I mean Masada. Um, and that was I shot it at a media event at uh Bianchi Cup like a gajillion years ago. And I remember uh the rifle porpoising uncontrollably in recoil. Like it was one of those things where I had, you know, I I'm I'm marginally okay at shooting a carbine. And I remember pulling the trigger and feeling the rifle flex. And I'm like, gun not supposed to flex gun supposed to be rigid but not rigid okay whatever i finished shooting whatever the demo rounds were and i was like i'm never going to pay money for that in and i will tell people that maybe don't like buy them uh buy it as a engineering oddity to be like i have an acr and it was a thing that existed for a while if you um, own 10 guns you're probably okay to buy an acr yeah I remember a guy at my gun store coming in, like he worked there and he was like, dude, you won't believe what I got. I was like, oh, cool. What'd you get? He's like, I got this. He pulled out the ACR. I'm like, ooh, can you give it back? He's like, bro, how dare you? This is a good gun. And I'm like, mm-hmm. is it? I'm like, uh, what did you, what did you pay for that? He's like, I traded for it. I was like, oh, what did you trade? And he's like, a scar. I'm like, did you just slap the taste out of his mouth on the spot? Bro, you, I, I stopped caring what that guy had to think for the rest of the time I've ever known of him. I was like, all right, so you're an idiot. All right, that's fair. fair. But I've always thought about the guy who drove away from a gun deal trading an ACR for a Scar H. He 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 must have been rock hard the whole drive home. He was just just like, celebrate good times, come on! Oh, my God. All right, so. And I hope he lived happily in ignorant bliss ever after. Oh, man. Uh, all right, so we've got the Masada. That was definitely a flop. Jack, what do you got? I have so many, for the record. I have like 30 of these. <laughs> all right. Um, I think... Okay, I, I'm going to give you one. It wasn't, it wasn't a flop, but it wasn't what it was supposed to be. The Sigma. Oh, that... That's the one Sigma's of those commercially kind of successful but also very problematic i mean well okay we can call it successful but it's not what they wanted it to be no sigma was not a glock killer no they they wanted the sigma what they wanted the sigma to be was what the mnp eventually became and i'm not going to say a glock killer but it was for a time the mnp was competitive in the market heads up against glock the sigma never was um we of course have uh, God, I'm, I'm losing my name on it, but the um, the 1911 Glock weird hybrid gun. Oh, oh God. The what? Daniel Defense. Uh, the, no, it starts with an H. Uh, oh. oh yeah, what was that? Because it was like a Glock trigger that took like 1911. It, that was a weird gun. The H9. Um, the H9. Yes. The Hudson. Oh, my God. Yeah. The H9. Hudson. Yep. Um, oh, they, oh, they they buy that? completely different than I, so the H, the Hudson is a completely different gun than the one I was thinking of. I was thinking of the Spectre. It was called like the Spectre or something. Ah, frick. 
oh my god and it was literally like it looked like a glock in a 1911 had sex and the product was premature uh but yes the <laughs> hudson h9 was a hard flop and a disappointing flop because that gun was actually cool that was one where i was like i want this gun to be commercially successful and then i found out yeah, a lot of things not. about it and i'm like this gun will never be commercially successful uh, remember the 2011 yeah, yeah, they're still here. The Strike 2011. The double 1911. <laughs> yes. No, I, I mean, yes, now I do. But obviously, I was like, what the hell is he talking about? Of course, I remember 20. Right, like, that's the point. Is like, I remember being at SHOT Show. And these guys were so proud of the fact that they had mold, they had welded two 1911s together and like, look what we have made. And I'm like, ah, yeah, you certainly made that. But why? They bought these giant banners. Remember those? Oh, my show. God. And I know how expensive those banners are. So there was money behind a project for this. And I walked by their booth. I was looking at the thing. And I'm like, this is such a weird range they're, they're, oddity. They were hard on the marketing for it, too. They're like, you get so much more ammo. And you can shoot it really well. And I'm like. I don't see how that's possible. Yeah, I Bro, mean, everyone knows my hands are big. The only guy beating me in hand size is Steve Fisher and Shaq. Right. I couldn't wrap my hands around this thing. No, it was, I mean, like, that's, no, that's the kind of flop that's actually interesting, right? Like, to me, at least there is a compelling reason to buy something like that, where you can buy it just to say, I have a double barrel 1911, right? Like, that's it. The, the flops that are more disappointing to me are things that make sense from like an engineering standpoint or like from a product standpoint but just flop because they're either poorly marketed you know like the sig p250 or poorly made like the remington r51 or look fucking weird like the one we're going to talk about now the fs2000 <laughs> I've, I've got one to follow uh, this one up one the forbidden tuna bullpup look that gun I, I, I like. I get it. It was it was at the tail end of like the weird bullpup phase, and FN was already making the P90, which was weird, which was weird, but had achieved mass market acceptance because it was in Counter Strike and uh, was on TV shows and actually did the thing that and, you wanted and they, to do. They tried to do that with the 2000 too. The 2000 was in a lot of games too, as as a rifle that was pretty statted well. So. Yeah, but it sucked in the real world because it had yes, that like it, O ring on the mag wells so mags so that drop free that I think is and what ultimately they, ultimately killed it um quicker it died a quicker death because of that freaking skirt that o-ring because when p mags hit the market now you couldn't use the hottest ar compatible magazine anymore so i have two fun facts about the fs2000 i will share them with you now uh the one that i think is most devastating to its real world application is that the FS2000 cannot be fired pointing up. Because of the stupid forward ejecting. So when you, when you it, for the guys who've never handled one or never seen one, it, it doesn't eject to the sides because as a bullpup, that would hit your face and they wanted you to be able to swap shoulders. Cool idea. What basically happens is the empties are fed into a chamber, which feeds forward. And after three to four rounds, the shells begin ejecting 
out the front of the gun. And to, to be very clear about this, they don't eject. They sort they get pushed forward by the shell behind it, and they sort yeah. of go. Ploop, they they, they kind of piddle out the front. Like, yeah, yeah. They just got a full stream. And if you shoot a string and then go to low ready, they just plop out. It, it's yeah. no problem. But if you are aiming up, which is I will admit fairly rare on a range, but in real life. Oh, there's a guy in a window. Maybe we should shoot at him. After your second or third round, gravity is now feeding them back towards the chamber. And sure, maybe it keeps working. It, it did not. Maybe I was in it, it, I was in several classes where we had the ability to do some weird stuff. And when we shot that thing pointed upwards, it quickly became JMO Centralmatic. And getting that thing unstuck requires a close connection to a superior being. Well, because uh, you can't, yeah. because of the way it ejects, you don't have easy access to the ejection port like you do on an AR-15 or an AK or like any rifle that was commercially and militarily even, even successful. Any of the, even any of the competing bullpups at the time, like the STG or the FAMAS, like mm -hmm. the, the, AUG, the, the AUG and the FAMAS, you could actually clear because, oh, hey, the ejection port's right there. So yeah. I will... That was that was the thing that I think hurt it for me. Where I was like, "Hey, this is—I I wouldn't want that gun." But one of the facts about it makes it interesting, and I want to own two of them for this reason. There are multiple generations of the FS two thousand. Mm -hmm. Generation one denotes the the lower part as the receiver. Okay. Generation two denotes the upper as the receiver so you could get a gen one and a gen two theoretically and take they them are apart. completely swappable right and if you pop apart, the uppers you off yeah put, i can have a double gun and a thing that is not a gun legally there's no gun here <laughs> this is not the gun you're looking for so i i guns find that like no guns that would be a thing that i would have in like a, a coffee table so people could be, what are those? And I could be like, that's a gun. <laughs> and they're like, but there's two of them. No, 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 there's not. No, no. There is. There's so yes. That's... One on top of one. That, okay, that does, and that goes back to like, that makes the FS2000 interesting, you know, as a collector's item or something like that. But that gun was a total commercial failure. Um, which, speaking of total commercial failures, we do have to talk about the R51 because that was, that, I'm not saying that was the gun that killed Remington, but that gun almost killed. Like that gun certainly that did not gun, help. That gun personifies the death of Rem of old Remington. Yeah, which old Remington gone, guys. Just as a quick reminder, new Remington is awesome, and old Remington is is dead. So, but long live the Remington. Long, long live, live the Remington. Uh, but what was interesting about it was like that was a gun that I had several questions as to why it existed like you can tell that somebody at Remington started with a good idea they're like hey remember how cool and swoopy our personal defense handguns used to look right let's bring that design ethos back but chamber it in a modern cartridge and do all of that and then somebody said cool let's also give it a really weird operating system so that it doesn't fucking work and then make it out of pop metal to cut costs i think I, I think we can all agree that on in hindsight some of the problems that plagued this thing might have been slightly exaggerated for sure but and i think 
that was the the failure of the R51 was less on the fact that the R51 wasn't a great gun because I actually I shot one and it ran just fine. The failure on it was from the marketing standpoint and then Remington, old Remington's response to the negative feedback they got from a certain YouTuber who whose name we won't mention because he sucks. Um so you know when that went viral, Remington's response basically was cover their ears and go la 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 we can't see you la 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 yeah and it's um not with, I, ironically since they owned bushmaster uh during this same stretch of years that was kind of what they initially did with the uh, acr as well hey guys it's the rifle you wanted and when it came back like no no this is not the rifle we wanted they're like what do you mean yeah man and, for, and it's funny when I think I think about our relative, our age is as like people in the firearms community, there are so many people that have entered the gun community uh, post the Cerberus era of Remington who don't realize how bad it was. Like they could fuck up a wet dream. They were so bad at making guns. They, they made they, 870 bad. They didn't bad. produce a single, like they didn't, they started, they started getting bad at all their legacy guns they were like ah remington 700s and uh 870s these work right not anymore let's make them let's take an 870 but make it shitty and you're like but but why 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 oh, make it shitty how? to save costs yeah so that's like we could actually do a whole episode on how cerberus effectively destroyed one of the most iconic gun brands through cost cutting have you ever seen like some of the weird mill slide Remington projects from the 2000s and 2010s? Mm-hmm. So like the RSAS. Uh, hey, we're trying yeah. to keep it clean on this. Wait, did you say the RSUSI? <laughs> the RSAS. <laughs> Let's like. Yeah, the, the Remington version of the Knights M110. And I have seen a lot of stuff. I've never seen one of those in real life. No. Yeah. Do you remember when they spent a shitload of money to sponsor, I think it was COD, like Modern Warfare 4 or something, and like all of the guns in the, like half of the guns in the game were like branded, right? You like, you picked yeah. up a Remington <laughs> M4 and you got the AAC Honey Badger and it was all branded the, it Remington was shit. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Whichever one it was, I don't, re I don't remember the, I think you're right, it was Ghost, but like that costs a lot of money and i can't but help think maybe the money that you spent putting the branded remington guns in call of duty could have been spent on making 870s that extract well it's a thought we just didn't need to take money away from making 870s that extracted the yeah, 870s but... that extracted did exist like the methodology why, was there why change it it worked really good so i we could probably uh, another episode we could probably do on guns that old remington fucked up but that's a completely different uh yeah, category because take, and would take time i, yeah. I want to get around to my favorite flop and this is something that you know before i before we get into this i want to caveat very much that i have worked with this company very closely i still uh work with this company i really enjoy a lot of their products but there's been a lot of Beretta flops. Like, let's be real honest about this. And we're going to start with my favorite Beretta flop, the Beretta 9000. Do you guys remember oh! the Minority Report? Oh! 
That was I have so in 20 years in the firearms industry, I have seen one Beretta 9000 in the wild. Uh, and it was actually uglier in person That's than impressive. it is. It's God, I completely forgot about this thing. Because it was terrible. Because this was one of those things where, again, it was in that weird, like early 2000s swoopy design aesthetic era, right? Where, like, you know, because that gun's got smooth. Yeah, that gun's got FS2000 vibes uh, all over it, right? Like, it looks spacey and futuristic and someone was like let's take a 92 but make it small let's make it slicker than snot and also not work let's do all of those things and you have the beretta 9000 as wielded by tom cruise in minority report that's the only (laughs) movie i can think of that it was in by the way and you know beretta probably paid to get it in that movie It, got, it was it was so bad and it was an absolute commercial floppity flop it was it was oof, it tanked because nobody wanted it they brought it out and everybody was like could you just bring back the 92 compact because we like the 92 that, that was us, that was a nicer pistol <laughs> give us the 92 compact again don't give us this we don't want this nobody wants we, this. we want 92 compact we have better 92 compact at home the new 92 compact at home yeah, uh, it's exactly what that was. And then, you know, we could talk about how the original APX launch was really jacked up, but I have four APXs, so I'm not going to go there. Uh, but the other Beretta flop was the ARX-100. Yes, which, I was, I was yes. going to say. Yep. ARX-100. One. I've got one to caveat off that because it was in a similar vein, but let's so, do ARX-100. Yeah, I want to I beat up on this gun for a little bit. <laughs> By what all a, means. What a fucking ugly gun. <laughs> I will say the SBR version looks considerably no. better than the. Yes, no, it does yes, not. It does. No, no, this is <laughs> no. I'm, I'm one. You guys can sit there like and tell me SBR that it looks one. better with a shorter barrel because you're both short. But I'm going to tell you right now, <laughs> nothing saves this gun. <laughs> I'm looking at the military AR-160 right now, ARX-160, and what? Who puts flat sling mounts on their gun? It was no, this not, was designed these choices as good ideas. You know who this is? This is a dude in Vietnam designing a gun for a sci fi novel. It's probably not far from wrong. I remember when they were launching the because, and here's the other one of the other reasons why it flopped in the States is because they launched the 22 version of it first, and then for some reason waited like two or three years to import the 5.56 version, said they were going to import SBR barrel kits because it had like a cool quick change barrel that you could like pop out and swap in. And oh yeah, the be- of that thing were actually pretty neat. Yeah. Weren't badly designed either. No, but- so and this is one example of a gun that was actually thoughtfully engineered, but really terribly marketed because when it hit the US market, you were supposed to be able to immediately then go on Beretta's website because to change it from a... 556 to a 300 blackout was just a barrel swap but there were never any 300 blackout barrels available and to change it to an sbr was just a barrel swap there were never any sbr barrels available and then the other big problem that you had with it was traditional uh ar height optic mounts mounted the optic way 
high on it. So you needed low mounts to get your optics in at a height that you could actually use them at unless you unless you were ahead of the curve and you were doing all of your shooting heads up with night vision. So, you know, maybe that was their plan all along. That was not their plan, guys. It was definitely not their plan. On top of that, like when they when they hit the states, like the optic rail was not rigidly mounted except at like one one point. And you're like, um, we need this to zero. And they're like, ah, what's a zero anyway? Come on. Looks like a fish. I'm gonna I'm gonna float this out there to all companies wishing to design a new assault rifle. Give me a call after you've put in like three months of design effort. I'll swing by, I'll walk in, and I'll ask one question. And depending on how that question is answered, I'll either leave or hit all of your designers with a ball peen hammer. And that question that is aggressively violent. Really can sad. the grips be changed? If you say yes, I'll collect my check and leave. If you say no, I'm going to turn each one of these engineers into juice box and crackers for the rest of their lives. How <laughs> no, fucking dumb are you? I forgot that you couldn't change the grip. And, nope. and for and whatever it was reason, atrocious. they used an A2 was profile an- with the knuckle buster in the middle of it. I'm like, why? It was but, the worst version. I also remember that the first country to purchase them as their standard service rifle was, the, was Azerbaijan, which... Uh, I joked around at the time, like, who the hell does Azerbaijan shoot? Turns out a lot of people, like a lot of people, but that's because they like to get into shooting wars with their neighbor, which is another country that starts with A, and I forget which one that is, but they've been actually doing a war for some time now. But anyway. Um, a whole a whole ass war. <laughs> yeah, a, a whole yeah, ass there, shooting war. There were, there were a lot of things that the ARX-100 failed at, that the ACR also failed at, and it was just a failure of the designers to be like, look, some stuff has changed. Should we spend the time to update it or just full send? And they always chose full send on old tech that nobody wanted and nobody was going to use anymore. Like failure to be able to use PMAGs, like uh, like failure to be able to mount a remotely okay sling to this thing. Uh, failure to change the grip when everybody wanted their favorite grip on the gun. Now, uh, as we get nearer to the end of this episode, I do want to bring up the greatest flop of all time, although it's not technically a flop because to flop it has to exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and that let would me, be. Let me, let me do my 556. Oh, yeah, do your 556 one. Yeah. So, in, in the realm of stuff that failed, we're going to go and uh, look at a knife company for a second. Do we remember the knife company that tried to bring a rifle to market? Wait, isn't it Microtech? Microtech. I have I have a Microtech yeah. in front of me. Microtech with their STG 556. During an era where it was really hard to get the actual Steyr Augs into the country, Microtech was like, man, we'll do one. We can and we'll this. do it right because we're Microtech, damn it. We don't make cheap shit. And uh, they they basically totally fucked it up. We don't like, cheap shit. I, we also... I bought one of these things. I bought it, and it, I'll give it this. It was an accurate gun, and they seem to have gotten it like 85% right. Mm-hmm. But then they made some really weird decisions, like making the magazine release out of polymer when it's uh, when it's supposed to be metal in the original TDP. They're like, we'll just use plastic. So after about three magazines, your magazine release would bend 
and just lock your magazine in permanently. So you got a California or New York compliant fixed magazine rifle unintentionally. Um, and it just, and then they didn't support the guns. They didn't have, they, they were relying on like Rapworks to try and aftermarket support these guns and, and a bunch of, they, they built it, they built it wrong when they had to spend time fixing it and then they didn't support it. And so, but Steyer was watching apparently this entire time was like, hmm, maybe they do want augs. Here yeah, you no go. shit. Yes, we wanted augs. I still kind of want an aug, but just because you know, the I, 90s I was awesome. I want to, I want to, I will, I will, give, I will give the microtech a couple, like the, the reason the gun flopped is entirely on microtech. It's not on the design of the gun itself because the, they had it uh, able to take Stanag mags. They've done that conversion. They've done a lot of things to make it compatible, but then they like stopped almost the way there. There was the finish line right here. And they're like, Hmm, would be mighty nice if we went there. Would be nice. Ish posh. It seems <laughs> seems like and, way more work they, than we're really they did, just guys. Didn't, they didn't carry it through. Um, but that rifle was really accurate, and I didn't have a problem with any gassing or reliability or anything like that. It was stupid accurate. I like the I like you can pull the barrel out because that was fun. Um, but the the company was just like, hmm, should we finish this? Nah. Let's go make some knives instead, which uh, to Microtech's defense, I love your knives. It's the best fidget spinner I've ever had. All right. Now, what is the gun you think will be a flop? Oh, well, before we do that, I do want to say, I do just want to say the the biggest flop that we have is the Avidity Arms PD-10 because... No, no, it would have to exist first. Exactly. But technically, (laughs) that can't be a flop because it doesn't exist. And if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, it was like 12 years ago that Rob Pincus was like, I'm forming a gun company and we're going to make a gun called the PD-10. It's going to be a single stack nine millimeter that holds 10 rounds. And in the time since they announced that gun, I'm going to list guns that have come out. The Glock 43, the Glock 48, the Sig P365, the Sig P365 XL, the Springfield Armory Hellion. Uh, Hellcat. Hellcat, yeah. No, the Hellion too, but... Uh, yeah, they also did yeah. the Hellion, but they, it's not they a micro-9. <laughs> uh, Ruger did a micro uh, single-stack micro-9. Uh, Smith & Wesson did the Shield Easy in 380 and 9mm. They also did the Shield and, CSX. And now the Shield Plus. Yeah, and the 30 Super Carry. So basically, the, mar- the niche that this gun was looking to exploit <coughs> filled, um, and the gun still doesn't exist. So that's that's just me making fun of that. Now, what gun that has recently come out are you talking about that I think is going to probably flop hard? Is that I think is going to flop hard? All right, Jack, you go first because you asked a question. Commercially available Sig Spears. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I don't. I think that's- here's the thing. I want one. I, I I want to I want to run one of these guns, but I want someone else to pay for the ammo, and that's not changing anytime soon. Mm-hmm. I I don't having been out to the event. I don't now in two seventy seven Fury. Yes, two two seventy seven Fury Spears. They they're going to try and make them a thing. It's going to take a lot of things. I'm willing to eat crow on this. I want to make that clear. If I end up eating crow on this, I'll be super happy about it. I I don't I don't know if all the things are going to align to make the 277 commercially viable. Even even this decade, I don't know if it's going to happen. But I 
I think there's going to be a strong base for the gun in 6.5 and 308. That's going to look a lot like the Scar 17 market. Uh, it's not. Going, I, it's going to be massive. It's not going to be everywhere, but it's going to be successful enough in those two calibers. Um, especially the 6.5 is a really fun one to shoot. It's super pleasant. So I, I think there's going to be there, but I don't see the new magic bullets exploding unless it gets some insane market support so that it's, you can purchase the ammo. Like the, the ammo is, the ammo is going to make or break whether or not Fury uh, ever becomes a thing. I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I 100% agree with that. I, I just don't think that one, I don't think it'll even be that successful in 308 because of the plethora of 308s that are already out there. 6.5 Creedmoor is cool, but it's kind of still a, a niche nerd round. But, and I just, what is, what's the MSRP on that thing again? Like 3500 bucks? It's going to be every dime of what a SCAR or what a, um, like an H&K is going to do. So it's another expensive 308 pattern battle rifle. Weird. So it's going to get about that market penetration. It's going to it's going to be around those folks. So I think that this gun is actually already on its way to flop. And I mentioned it a minute ago, but the Shield CSX, uh, or not Shield CSX, sorry, the Smith and Wesson CSX. That's the they launched it at Shot Show. It's the aluminum framed single action with a thumb safety compact nine mil gun, and. I haven't seen, I've, I've seen 30 super guns chambered in 30 super carry, the new shield 30 super carry. I've seen those in the wild. I have not seen this CSX anywhere in the wild. I haven't seen anybody with, there's no real buzz about it. When they launched it, the reaction from the market was, but why though? Um, and I just. We, I, we'd started getting away from those alloy framed micro guns pretty heavily. Like, yeah. The, the 938 has quietly kind of sat back and taken its its bow like i'm done guys the 365 mm. is up now which i wonder what let like i know you know smith and wesson's a publicly traded company i know they don't do things for no reason which means that there had to be a reason for this gun to exist at least that somebody thought of but and the other thing about it and i'm not again i I love Smith and Wesson. I still like the M and P. I still think, and it's weird to me how the M and P has been erased from the market by the P three twenty because I think, in its base configuration, it's actually better. But uh, the M and P is better than the three twenty. I mean, um, but I look at this gun and it looks like a gun that was designed by a committee, and I don't mean that as a compliment. It has a feature set that's very confusing. Uh, the only thing I can think that makes sense is it was designed to be legal, specifically to be legal in Massachusetts, which has some weird laws about like trigger pull weights and stuff like that. If you don't have a thumb safety, I don't know, but I haven't, I think that this gun is probably going to flop. Cause I, do you guys know anybody who's bought one? Have you ever seen one? Jack, do you know anybody who has one of these? Have you seen one in a gun store? Not that we go to gun stores that often cause they're terrible, but, um, but no, yeah, I think. I think the shield, the not shield. It's not the shield. It's not the shield. It's Smith and Wesson. Not all of their products are branded yes. as shield. <laughs> um, lots of them are, but if it's not a shield, it's an M and P. Uh, yeah, I, I need know. them to change the M and P name to Sword. Yes. Oh, yeah. Wait, doesn't somebody make a sword rifle? Yes, it, yep. Sword International. 
No, no, I was okay. Well, that wasn't really what I was thinking of. But sure. um, hey, so we have so the CSX is probably on its way to flopping. I think the commercial spear is going to flop. They should make a shield too. Like you could have the Sig spear and shield, and they could call it the Spartan Collection. Oh uh, no! <laughs> no. Take Sig it back! Uh, I didn't want it. Sig, oh, if you're let's... listening to this, do not do that. Do not. I will hit you. I will drive uh, to what, New Hampshire what? and hit you with a rolled-up newspaper if you do something like that. Floppy, floppy gun. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with a. I, I think it's going to be a floppy gun category, not necessarily a gun specifically. And that's AR companies who are leaning hard into a bolt gun. And now I'm gonna exempt Ooh. Sig for that. Because a their bolt gun is one of just many products, and they're well known in handguns. They're well known uh, in their their semi-auto rifles, and but their their handguns are definitely like carrying the boat with with Sig. Right. When all you the think skews. Sig Sauer, you think. But I, yeah. When when I think Sig, I'm generally thinking a 320 or a 226 or a 365. That's what comes to mind. But when I think something like Daniel Defense. I don't think like three thousand or four thousand dollar bolt gun. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I think you're going to see a lot of. I, you I'm, know. I'm sure I'll see people who have that kind of disposable income and kind of like weird niche things. I'm, I'm sure I'll see a couple of them, but I don't think I'm ever going to see one on a shelf. Yes, there's another cat. Uh, clearly. Yeah. Uh, well, no, I will. I have to give Sig credit for this thing. This one thing, though, their new cross PRS that they just launched a couple of days yes. ago. It's only like fifteen hundred dollars, so that's good. That yeah. is affordable. And, and I think I think that's them understanding the their market really well of what they're chasing. Of they want a very out of because Ruger did this really well with the Ruger PRS. They mm. wanted a very nice like. Not as nice as you're going to get from custom gunsmith level, but you're not paying custom gunsmith level. They just wanted this nice, out of the box, here, put some glass on it, go shoot the sport, see if you like it, have a good time. Yeah, I mean, and I think the when I talked about the um, Sig Cross PRS on tacticallife.com, available now, guys, uh, you... Uh, I, I mentioned how its biggest competitor is going to be the Ruger American and whether or not it succeeds or fails will be based on uh, how well it can penetrate that, that already extant market of people who I want an out of the box gun to go fuck around in PRS or NRL and he, who am I going to give my money to SIG or Ruger? So I don't know. I'll say on the, on the flip side of it, the crop, like the original cross where they were like, we're going to make this as light a chassis as possible mm -hmm. so that hauling this thing around isn't a bitch. Uh, they did really well on that gun, and that gun's not expensive either. And I, I, <laughs> I enjoy shooting it, especially in 6.5 Creed. It, it doesn't beat you up, and it weighs nothing. So, <laughs> Well, we've discussed guns that flopped, guns that failed, a gun that didn't exist, or that you know, there's prototype. Rob Pincus has two prototypes of it that he keeps showing on Facebook. Like, I, no joke. What is it? Every, like, once he, every year, he, he crawls out he from under He's trying to make it a thing. It's not if, a thing. If he sees the shadow of a PD-10, we get six more months of winter or something. Is that, is that how it works with that? I don't know. Um, any last thoughts? Any, anything? It, here, all right, one last thought. What's a gun that flopped that you really didn't want to flop, that you actually liked? 
the H nine. Yeah, that's a fair. That's fair. We. I, think I was. That... I was. I was one of the hype boys, man. Um, you and Dave Merrill. I will. I will own this. I met the owners of the company at Shot Show. We had a wonderful week together, hanging out. We probably had half a dozen dinners and hanging outs together. Um, I was. They seemed very cool to me. I was very hopeful that their product was going to take off. I didn't think it was going to do what they thought it would do. But it was new and it was interesting at the time and we didn't have a whole lot else going on. So that's what we went with. And uh, sad. sad. My face is sad. Uh, mine is oh, another one I mentioned up top is the SIG P250 because, you know, everybody knows I'm like a moral degenerate when it comes to revolvers, but also double action only autos. And I had a 250. I, had a, I actually had a couple of 250s and they were great. They were really accurate. They had absolutely phenomenal DAO triggers in them, but they hit at the absolute wrong time because they hit when everybody wanted polymer frame striker fired guns. And SIG was like, okay, here's a polymer frame gun, but double action only because that's what law enforcement wants, right? And law enforcement was like, are you fucking high? Take that gun and get it out of my face. And what was neat about, now I will say this though, because the, P, the P20, the P250's DNA lives on in the P320 because the 250 was what pioneered that chassis program for SIG. You took the trigger out, the trigger pack was the serialized part. And little known fact, if you have P250, and this is where SIG was very smart, the P250 frames and the P250 magazines are the exact same as P320 frames and magazines. They, they didn't reinvent anything that they no. didn't need to. They were like, well, this is fine. This part's good. Let's just change this pack that goes in here so it's striker fired and make it so that the rear sight is removable. Because that was the other thing that was stupid on it was the rear sight was integrated into the slide. And I'm like, but why? Um, but And I loved that gun. I had one. I shot it at Bianchi. I shot it in matches. And it was a fucking great gun. And uh, no one made holsters for it. And Sig very quietly shuffled it off the face of the earth to replace it with the 320 eventually. What's a shame? DAO autos are cool. They're like 16 shot K frames. Uh, and I will I will close this the way we opened this with I am I am saddest, I think, that the Masada flopped. Mm -hmm. That this really Very great sad. idea, the one of the greatest modernizations we'd seen on kind of the AR platform at the time, um, was not able to be carried through to what it could have been because we have other rifles that very clearly illustrate what it could have been because we have the MCX and we have uh, modernizations on the SCAR series and we have modernizations on regular AR-15s and the BRN 180. And there are a lot of really cool modernized rifles that all could have been the Masada first, but weren't because of really poor execution and nobody being like, hey, yeah. We do it right. So we're all sad about the Masada. We're all, uh, I'm sad about the P250, but we're all no, sad I, about the Hudson I H9. I the 250 and yeah. we're sad about the H9. Man, the H9, because that gun was cool. Like let's, like, let's be real. That gun was, I remember shooting that thing at SHOT Show and thinking, this gun is fucking fun to shoot. I am really enjoying this. Well, I, I, I was excited for it. And I can't 
I came not to praise the Hudson, but to bury it. And with that, we are out. We will be back next week with an all new episode of Gun Day Brunch. Uh, whose line is it anyway? <laughs> Jack gets sad about guns that he really liked. Um, uh, I do want to open this up. So if you manage to listen all the way to the end of the episode, uh, if you have a topic that you would like us to talk about, leave it in the comments of this or, you know, you get emails. People have Keith's email address. So do we have an email address for the show? We should probably get one of those. Um, yes. I don't remember what it is offhand. Neat. I know uh, we have one. Here's, here's what I'll do. I've got an iCloud address that is where I send all the spam. Uh, send it to frick hang on i gotta look up what it is because i almost got it wrong it is uh if you have an idea for the show guys what i want you to do is send it to gunnutsmedia at icloud.com all right i do check that email address but it's also i'm not going to give out my actual email address on the air so you know we love talking about guns we love talking about other stuff so if you've got ideas gunnutsmedia at icloud.com send them in uh, if we like your idea, we'll talk about it. If we don't like your idea, we might roast your idea for how terrible it is. But you, that would the still then count as us. Yeah, that would still then as count as us talking about it. So you would win in that sort of way. Uh, that's it. Any last thoughts, guys? All right.